the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. AM 970 presents Eye on Real Estate. This is your premier source for real estate information. From the hot properties in the tri-state to the latest in real estate market trends. From mortgage news to answers to all of your real estate questions, you'll be in the know with help from the experts. Call now, 866-970-9622. 866-970-9622. Now, here's your host for Eye on Real Estate, Douglas Elliman's CEO, Dottie Herman. Good morning, I'm Daddy Herman, and you're listening to Ion Real Estate. I'm here with my co-host, Stephen Ebert, who specializes in real estate law, both residential and commercial, and is a partner of Kasson & Kasson LLP, which has offices all over the place. Um, unfortunately, Ace uh, is always traveling. You know, he is running, basically, Citizens Bank now, so... Um, I said, so he called me this morning and he said, I just can't, I'm in the middle of a conference. And I said, well, don't worry. We understand and it's okay. We'll do the best we can to fill in. And he said, no, 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 I'm, I'm totally dedicated. I just, this was one time I can't, but I think Ace has been doing the show with me probably since he was 12. Okay. <laughs> so, you know, he's been on like 10 years. So, and, and he's really grown in the beginning um, I can say this because he, he will be hearing it, but in the beginning, I, I don't, <laughs> he didn't even speak. I mean, and, and if I, I would say, hey, you got to say something. You got to just answer. Okay. But he's really grown into it and loves it. And he's probably the best I know. We have a great show for you. We're going to talk, Stephen and I are going to talk a lot. We've had a lot of people call and or email us. And actually, this was always a question for people, even before the pandemic, about G. How do I buy foreclosure? Um, you know, am I going to get a good deal? What's, you know, what's a short sale? What's the difference with a short sale, an REO or an auction? Um, so we're going to give you the ins and outs of what the differences are and what the advantages and disadvantages are to explain how, you know, they're totally different. And then um, Steve is going to talk, well, before we do that, Steve will talk a little about the foreclosure process and what that means you know, and how, you know, how you get into foreclosure. Um, so you're going to want to hear that. Plus also at this point, a lot of people are looking to try to find foreclosures because they feel we're going to get a great bargain. And uh, well, in many cases you do, but in many cases, if you don't know what you're doing, you don't. So we're going to tell you all the ins and outs and how to do that. Um, now, the good news that I, I just have to tell you good news because, you know, whenever you have good news, you have to share it. Okay. But before I do tell you that, please call Steve and I. And if you have mortgage questions, we'll try to answer them. Um, 866-970-9622. Um, and we are glad that you're with us today. It's going to be 90 degrees. So it's going to be a heat wave. Well, this weather has been crazy. It's one day it's freezing. The next day it's warm. Uh, but it's sunny and I'm not complaining about the sun. 
because whenever it's hot, people say, oh my God, it's so hot. I'm like, well, remember when it's zero degrees out, and then you'll be happy that it's hot. Uh, later on the show, we have Alfred, uh, who's the managing, Alfred Renner, who's the managing director of the East Side Sales Office. And he plays a key role in the organic growth of the company's flagship East Side Office. He's very innovative and uh, he is very knowledgeable of the city. So he'll really talk about what's going on in New York City in residential. And I think Steve can chirp in and give us some insights on what's going on with commercial in New York City. Because um, they're very different, you know, and they're not always, the, they're not the same. And in commercial, there's different sectors in commercial. So some are doing okay, some are not. So we'll, we'll, we'll get, to, we'll be talking about that. Um, but good news is job openings are soaring, okay? The highest level of, biz of, of, of businesses desperate to get new employees and new workers. And a lot of people, you know, I've been reading the papers or whatever you read or get audio, however you get your information. People, um, I just read, I think it was in the Times or maybe it was in the Post, I'm not sure. But there was a story that people are not going back. To, they don't want to go back. They want to go back to work, but they do not want to go back to the office. They feel they can work from remote and they feel they did a good job. And now they got used to it. And some of them are saying, if we have to go back to the office, we're quitting. And right now, employment, it's hard to get people. Between that and the stimuluses that are keeping people afloat in many cases are making more money than they would be working or close to it without the hassle of anything. Um, so it's a tough, if it's a tough call. And so first of all, if you're looking for a job, I would say it's a key time to get one. Um, I wouldn't wait till this is all over. I think now is the perfect time to get it. But I, um, I was at a meeting, I'm on the board of Adelphi University, that's my alma mater, and we were on a board meeting yesterday or the day before, and the same thing's happening with universities. The, they polled uh, a lot of the, you know, the students at Adelphi, but they also get information from other private universities across the country, and they poll the students, and the students feel that, I think you'll like this, Steve, um, they uh, really don't need to be in their classrooms. You know, they can do that from their dorm. They need to be maybe, you know, a class here or two, you know, maybe one day a week. And the rest, they're really there for the social interaction. Um, and so they don't need to really be in classes as much. They can do those virtual classes while they're in their dorms. And um, I said, well, <laughs> yeah. and, and this is not Adelphi. This is just, you know, a lot of the universities because, uh, but I think that that's a dangerous precedent. I don't know how, I guess all the universities get together and they're talking about how to handle this. Um, so they haven't come up with a conclusion yet. But I think that eventually if people are gonna, if, you know, if it was my child and, you know, they're going to the universe and I'm paying a million dollars for them to go to a school that they're just going to be really for the social things. And I was watching on the news is they some of these colleges have theme parks and all this stuff. Well, I would say, you know what? I don't think I should pay that much if they're going to be half virtual. So I think that the, the, the students are, you know, the schools have a big, big uh, 
challenge because everyone got used to working at home. And I, I think that a social interaction and I, um, is, is great and you need it, but to the extent you need it every single day, I don't think so. So you know what I want to talk to, and I'd love to, you know, to call in if you, if you have any thoughts about this. And the number is 866-970-96222. Is what things do you see that the pandemic has changed and when the pandemic is, you know, gone with the wind, hopefully, um, or we're just, you know, you know, it's reduced to a flu. And by the way, I don't know one person who got the flu this year. I guess the flu just dissipated, just went away. I have not heard one person get the flu. But in any event, what things do you see have changed that are going to be permanent changes? What are you seeing, Stephen? Again, please, if you, we'd love to hear from you. If you... If you're seeing things, please let us know. 866-970-9622. What are you seeing, Steve? Well, I think people are trying to find the, the new normal. They, there's sort of, you know, we had one extreme of everything virtual. Um, previously, of course, we had everything, you know, and again, I'm using it very broadly, in person, now trying to find some sort of synergistic middle. And, I, you know, I think colleges are a very, very good um, item to pick on because the reality it has such an impact on real estate it has such an impact on tax revenue and it has such an impact on ancillary services and 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 we're seeing that i think when it comes to colleges they need to look at value for the students and i think what's happening is that you have a lot more students who are, who are and parents especially having on their radar what is the value that i'm getting you had a lot of institutions really build out a lot of these services that you're talking about. Let's make a better gym. Let's make better services on campus for them. But the question is, how does that position them for the workforce when they graduate? If they're going to have all of this debt from college, then how are they going to pay that off and have the right employment opportunities? And I think the colleges that are going to be successful are going to look past sort of the virtual or in-person debate and they'll frame the debate of here's the value we're giving to you. And look, part of the value is meeting your peers. I mean, look, we're going to have um, a wonderful element manager on later, Alfred, right, who I, I remember interacting with him even before he joined Element. And part of it is how do you create the right format to have a meaningful interaction with people and create those relationships? And, you know, what I'm starting to see for some program, you know, one model and I don't know if this is going to be the final model, and it depends on the age and the type of degree, is virtual with intense in-person, right? What they're doing is, you know, your sort of day-to-day -day teaching might be remote, and then they almost have the class as sort of conferences, four days here, very intense, then some more remote learning, and another few days there, very intense learning. So I'm curious if, if they're going to try to model more like a little bit of executive education and bringing that well, to the college environment. It could be interesting. You know, I agree with you. Um, and again, we, they haven't really come up with the final things, uh, thoughts of what they're exactly going to do. But, uh, and again, you know, you don't know how, you know, we're just starting to get through this pandemic. And so, you know, a year from now, people might feel differently. But um, what, when they poll students okay you know this is what they found that when they polled students 
students felt that the teachers were not as effective as they could be in virtual. And I'm sure that's true because teachers really weren't taught how to teach virtually. And some, you know, and especially depending on the subject, uh, you know, you can, some subjects are easier to do than others. Second of all, I remember when I was in college, and I'm sure you remember, didn't you love a professor that was interesting, that had great stories to tell and didn't put you to sleep? So, you know, with Zoom, um, you know, if you're not, if you, you have to really work hard to, to create that all. I mean, to create excitement or create people, because I know that I've done this and I know other people do too. And I'm telling you something that maybe I shouldn't, but truthfully, I'm, I'm being honest. Sometimes when they're really boring, I just, you know, tune out and I, you know, just put on, I take my face and I put the face off and, and especially if it's a big group, because in a big group, you're, you know, they, they don't get, you know, you can't see everyone all the time. Um, and then I'll be doing my, I'll be doing my emails. I'll be doing <laughs> And so I think that there's a challenge to that. Um, and I do think that being in the office or being getting together and human interaction is culture. And um, I don't think, and I, I don't want to be biased about this, but I will be. I don't think men <laughs> understand culture the way women do. I think it's starting to be a big buzzword now. But I think, you know, at the end of the day, you know, mostly people just looked at numbers and if the numbers are good, the numbers are good. If they're bad, they're bad. But I really believe culture in anything you do, culture will make a good company great. And take a restaurant. Why do you go to a, a, a restaurant? Well, obviously, you know, if the food's vile, you're not going there, even if the culture is great. But if you go there and it has a good atmosphere and let's say the maitre d' or the owner, you know, greets you and makes you feel like a million bucks and there's some kind of, you know, energy, it's good energy, that's culture only in a restaurant. So I think that the challenge is going to be how do we take that culture and that interaction and make that still exist? Because uh, you know, it is mental health week. Of course, I should know that. <laughs> but um, I have a good friend that's doing the documentary on, on, on anxiety. And so I've seen some clips of it. Uh, it's not out yet. But, you know, everyone suffers from anxiety in some form or another. And I think if you, if you watched uh, Prince Harry did an interview with Oprah, he talked about his anxiety. And, you know, we all experience it just very differently. And so we don't know the root cushions of all of this yet so i think yeah um, we're going to be in a world of you know a lot of opportunity for those who have vision and some are just going to fall by the wayside that's my guess no i agree with you i mean look you got to ask yourself what makes an organization unique right whether it's in real estate brokerage where it's a law firm where it's a regular kind of business it's more than just a logo what is the meaning to people and what do they associate with and when you're doing remote learning or remote business or remote interaction, you're not using all of your senses. We have five senses, right? How can you taste? How can you touch? How can you smell? How can you, and, and that triggers the memory and association when you're staring at a two dimensional monitor. How, how do you have that interaction? You don't. 
And so I agree with you. You need to have that. The body needs that to really process the information. But I think also one of the downsides of remote interaction really affects people coming together. Because when you have people of different opinions coming together in close quarters and having to speak to each other face to face, what it does is you have more thoughtful thinking of the other side. It's very easy to sort of have a microphone and a camera in a distant area and to just spout stuff and to really be in an echo chamber. Absolutely. And, and I and think it's so why. important. I always like to negotiate and do everything I do in person because I think it's much easier when you're in person, when you're in front of someone's face, when you're interacting, than to be on a phone or a Zoom and then somebody can just turn off. And so I, listen, I built my career. I, obviously I had to know what I was doing, but it's like your business. If people don't like you or if people don't feel comfortable with you, you can be the greatest real estate or greatest attorney in the world, but if people don't feel comfortable and don't feel, you know, and I always tell people, if you don't feel comfortable with someone, you shouldn't use them. Like I wouldn't use a doctor I didn't feel comfortable with. And I wouldn't use, you know, somebody that I, I would feel like I want to have a rapport. And I think that interaction is really important. And I am just uh, hoping that we can figure out some ways because I look at the kids today and they're not, and I, you know, and it's, you know, starting two years old, they're on the iPhone 24 seven. And I, I, I wonder how much communicating they're doing. I mean, they communicate differently. Okay. Um, they do it through the iPhones, you know, you know, it's, inter it's an interesting point that it, it's a very, it's a great, great point because I look at in deal negotiation and I look at the lawyers and the brokers that are very heavily negotiating by email and text. And I see failure points. I see those deals tend to be more difficult to resolve and they're misses in those deals because they're not having the verbal interaction. And sometimes they're talking past each other. And so it's, it's, it's interesting, you know, a lot of times, even though I'm dealing with certain attorneys who I know, all they want to do is email, not come to the phone. And it takes longer. The phone does take a little bit longer, but I'm telling you, in this point, sometimes that phone call saves a deal because you read an email, you get the wrong impression off of it. Right. And then all of a sudden you're stuck and, and the phone can break the logjam a lot. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more. And I think that, you know, if you, you know, at least do a Zoom. There's a saying that, you know, the best way to miscommunicate is send an email or a text because people really interpret that a million different ways. And I'm sorry, there's nothing that replaces a relationship. And when two people meet and they kind of like each other, so I always try to know a little about who I'm meeting and um I, I think it's, it doesn't always put the deal together if there's not a good deal, but it really helps in making things work out. And so that's why, you know, uh, one of the reasons besides that you're a great attorney is we like to work with you because, you know, you don't want everyone adversarial because a win is where everybody wins, you know, when this, you know, and I used to see attorneys like, you know, that sometimes really they screwed up the whole deal not that they didn't know what they were doing but they were fighting every minute of the time and so i think that it's really important by the way coronavirus in new york city is the lowest positive lowest
But I wonder if you want to get that. What about Washington? Um, I, what about Washington Heights that they put a curfew on in Greenwich Village Park? Uh, I'd like to just talk a little about what's going on in New York because I live there and I see on the news every day something, and I think we should just talk about it a little, and then we'll talk about it more with Alfred. Your business is ready for a reboot, a recharge. The way our companies operate has changed. Adapting to the changes hasn't been easy, but never more important to succeed. Many of the digital resources available have helped overcome obstacles your business is facing. But are you using the full potential of every one of them? That's where Salem Surround can help. Your business needs to use digital tools more than ever to stay in touch with customers, making buying decisions right now and for the future. Will they consider or even know about you? The marketing team at Salem Surround gives you the tools needed to stand out and be visible to current and potential customers online right now looking for what you do. We'll design a plan that targets and surrounds customers with proven marketing strategies. Contact Salem Surround for a free evaluation of your marketing plan and see how we can help place your advertising message in front of today's consumers. Learn more at surroundnewyork.com. Surroundnewyork.com. Connecting you with new customers. Has your relationship taken a turn? Is it time to call it quits? Do complex matters such as custody, alimony, child support, prenups, and financial matters make your head spin? Then tune in every Sunday evening at 5 for Should I Stay or Should I Go? With attorney Tanya Helfand from Helfand & Associates. With over 25 years of experience, Tanya will guide you through the confusing world of family law so that everyone can make the right decision. It's Should I Stay or Should I Go? Sunday evenings at 5 on AM 970, The Answer. Want to listen to AM 970 The Answer on the go? There's an app for that. Download our free smartphone app so you can listen to all your favorite shows, keep up with us on social media, enter contests, win prizes, and even interact with our hosts all in one place. Just search AM 970 The Answer in the iPhone App Store or the Google Play Store for the Android. Again, search AM 970 The Answer and download our smartphone app today. That way, you can take us wherever you go. Hey, it's Joe Piscopo for Pat Lafreda Meat Purveyors. You know they supply many of New York and New Jersey's finest restaurants. Yes, like 1,600 of those restaurants. Now you can get the same high-quality selection of meats for your most important customer, your own family. Lafreda deals in only premium 100% black Angus cattle raised and grazed in the United States. Their only focus is meat. You won't find any frozen side dishes or any gimmicks here. Offering every kind of meat and every cut like a tomahawk bone-in ribeye porterhouse center cut filet just to name a few supplying only the highest quality beef pork lamb veal poultry and america's best burger chopped meat blends shipped overnight cut the night you place your order and always fresh never frozen order online please at lafreda.com l-a-f-r-i-e-d-a lafreda.com Listen to us online at am970theanswer.com. Tune in, iHeart, Alexa, or odyssey.com. The Tunnels to Towers Foundation, as you know, has been supporting our nation's heroes and their families since 9-11. And to mark 20 years this year, the foundation is giving 120 mortgage-free homes to Gold Star and fallen first responder families with young children and catastrophically injured veterans and first responders. To honor America's fallen heroes, the foundation's chairman and CEO, Frank Siller, is walking from the Pentagon to Shanksville, Pennsylvania, and on to Ground Zero. 
His more than 500-mile journey through six states in 42 days begins August 1st and fittingly finishes on 9-11 at Ground Zero. It's a moving tribute. The foundation is bringing back Towers of Light to the memorials at the Pentagon and in Shanksville in September. Help America to never forget America's greatest heroes. Do good, please, in their honor. Please help out. It's only $11 a month. It goes to T2T.org. It's just like that. T, the number two, and then T.org. So proud to tell you about the Tunnel to Towers Foundation. It's I on Real Estate. Got a question? Call 866-970-9622. Here's Douglas Elements CEO, Dottie Herman. We're back. You're listening to Iron Real Estate. I'm here with Stephen Ebert. I'm Dottie Herman. And uh, we have a great show for you today. Later on in the show, um, we'll get one of the leading managers at Douglas Sullivan to give you an update on what's going on in the city. Uh, and uh, Steve and I are going to uh, shortly talk because how to distinguish foreclosures from short sales, from auctions. And whether you, you know, a lot of people think it's good deals and it can be, but it might not be. So we're going to explain the procedures and what you have to do and what the pros and the cons of each one is. And they're different in certain ways. And you're going to want to hear that because um, there might end up, I don't know how, I think, you know, it depends on how much the government does, but I do feel there'll be foreclosures at some point in time. And um I know people that are, that have, that's what they do for a living. They just go and they bid on foreclosures. They go to auctions and they know how to bid. So um, some people, that's their whole living and they make plenty of money doing it. So we'll talk about that a little, a little later. Um, but as before the break, Steve, I was talking to you about that, you know, the NYPD last night enforced the 10 p.m. curfew at Washington Square Park. And that's because there was a complaint. People were jumping on cars. People were getting rowdy. And um, they put the curfew on. Now, I caught it last night, and they were in Washington you know, Square, and they were at 10 o'clock, made everybody leave. But I will say, from what I saw on the news, people left orderly and just left. I mean, it, they didn't give them a hassle. Um, but, you know... Everything that I read, every day I'm reading something that's happening in a crime. Um, now, maybe they didn't emphasize it as much. You know, a lot of times it's like, you know, you'll never read the paper. The sun is shining today and everything is happy and the world is great because people don't want to read good news. So the, the papers tend to focus on very negative stuff. However, um, I'm a New Yorker. You're a New Yorker. What do you see going on? You see, you know, do you think these are isolated? It's, but you know, I, you know, it seems like a lot's you know going on. And you know, do you yeah. have reason to be concerned? Or what are your clients thinking? So you know, most of my clients have not been concerned by the crime issue. A couple of people have. I think it's had an impact in a couple of neighborhoods. And I, I think there's a couple of answers to it. I think one. Crime is still well below the David Dinkin years, uh, former mayor. So um, for those who are not familiar, he was the mayor uh, preceding Rudy Giuliani. That was probably the city at its worst for a long time uh, during that era when it came to crime and just things being out of control. 
And we really enjoyed a 20-year period where crime kept on going down and down year after year. And what's happened is we've had a, a creeping back up. And in my opinion, uh, and again, as a personal opinion uh, on this, it's been a combination, you know, COVID with people moving around, with people not being outdoors the same way, it, you know, it exacerbated the situation, but it was coming regardless of COVID. You can't at a certain point uh, constrain policing. You can't really cut back on deployment. Um, you can't also cut back on really providing help to people with mental illnesses that need help um, and then assume nothing is going to happen. You know, it's interesting. You know, obviously law enforcement has been in the news a lot these last couple of years, and, and I don't need to get into all that everyone knows. But what's interesting is there was a stat towards the end of the uh, Bloomberg years of what was the approval rating for NYPD. And it was in, it was over 70%. And the police chief was over, was like 75%. And what was interesting is that was fairly consistent across the board. Um, you know, even in, you know, obviously there's been a lot of issues, even in the African-American community in New York City, the approval rating for NYPD was about 68%. So there wasn't a big delta between different population groups in the city. And, you know, what we're seeing now is really a change in how police respond and deploy. Um, and it's a, it's a real problem. And, and look, we, you know, within less than a year, we'll have a new mayor sworn in. And I hope that they will address these issues because it's a funding issue, it's a tactic issue, it's a deployment issue. And I don't know what happened last night in Washington Square Park and the curfew, I haven't had a chance to look at that, but I can tell you in the weeks before, Washington Square Park, which is a very cleaned up, wonderful park, has really gone way downhill um, under the current administration. They have allowed parts of it to be really taken over back back in the old you know, days in, in a very negative way. And it's a very solvable problem, but you gotta give people the right tools to solve for it. And this will have an impact on real estate. Certain oh, neighborhoods absolutely. have had no impact, but certain other neighborhoods have. And you're seeing this in homeless shelters and hotels, right? We had a big debate on the Upper West Side versus the financial district of moving well, people around. And that's really important. If you recall, on the upper, on the west side, they took four, I think four or five hotels that were in a mile radius, and they took the homeless shelters and they put all the people in there. Um, and obviously the, you know, part of the big problem with the homeless is I would say a good percentage of our mental illness. So the people that are really in need because they actually are down and out, don't want to stay in those shelters either because they're dangerous. And they were all over the streets. You couldn't even walk. Um, so, and then I know by me, um, there's just, there was, especially a couple of months back when the city really, there was cities really come back. Uh, there's people out, the people are in restaurants, people are happy uh, just to be out because New York really had it tough. But I do see a big difference because when you let, all the homeless shelters out. And again, a lot of them are have mental disorders. And then you cut the police force and you tell them they really can't get involved because they can't. And then you have people that were cooped up and locked up and you know, that had to be in their homes all the time. 
and it's kind of like they're breaking free and sometimes that you know brings rowdiness and then you know you have all these movements going on so i really think that the mayor uh the uh, the the mayor election is soon and i think that we're going to need a mayor and i think that talking to the people that i talk to um most people, their biggest concern is they want a mayor that's going to, regardless of whether they're Democrat or Republican, that they're going to really be tough on making the city safe as it was. We were the safest big city in the United States of America. And I have no doubt that New York will come back. But again, I, and I'll say it, and I never get political, but I'm, on this case, I just have to say it. I think this uh, mayor has done a horrible job I think Bloomberg and Giuliani took the city to its glory. And, uh, you know, this is what somebody who's not a good leader could do. So I'll well, I, 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 look, I, I don't think it, I, I don't I think your criticism of the mayor is not political. It's factual. And I have yet to speak to anyone who supports him. And if there is a caller who wants to call in in support of the mayor, please call in. Okay. <laughs> I'd love to hear I, I think there's plenty of free lines for that, I think. Um, but I, I think the I think Mayor LaGuardia said it best year, you know, decades ago. There is not and I'm slightly paraphrasing, but there's neither Republican nor Democratic way to pick up garbage. People are paying a nice amount of money and have expectations for a service. And regardless of whatever political issues might be on a federal level, the fact is we need a good steward for the city. And when you have a good steward who manages things efficiently and gets it done, the reality is, uh, and this is a real issue, we're spending more on sanitation, yet the streets are dirtier. That doesn't make sense. And as you recall, Mayor Bloomberg went, he was in, he was in, in office in 2007 when we had the financial crisis, and everything was in perfect order. I mean, nothing... Nothing slacked, I mean, because of that safety and everything was just perfect. So, um, you know, we're trying to, I, I, I'm part of it. Anyone can, e you know, text me or email the show at, or text me at dottieherman.com. Um, we started a group called Citizens for a Safe in New York City. It's not political. Anybody could join. And, you know, they're just people who are trying to do what we can to get the city back uh, because the city is vibrant again people are out busy there's traffic okay we're gonna talk we're gonna take a break and then see gotta ask you about the finishing what's going on i heard that you filed a proceeding on hold Okay. Um, yeah, absolutely. Right after, right after the break, and there's also yeah, yeah. We're, we're we're even though we're complaining, which is our right as New Yorkers, there's still a lot of positive things going on too. Hey, it's Joe Piscopo. I don't think there's any more important service in any community than a hospital and emergency room, right? The ER is where you go in a crisis and where you expect to find dedicated, talented professionals anytime, day or night. Let me tell you that the ER at Trinitas Regional Medical Center is such a place in the Elizabeth and Union County communities. And the best news is Trinitas renovated their ER recently to serve you even better. They doubled the number of treatment rooms, added state-of-the-art technology, 
technology created separate private areas for families and seniors, and they honored my friend, the CEO of Trinitas, by naming it the Gary S. Horan Emergency Department. Trinitas is an outstanding place for healing. I've been there. I've met the people. I know. Please learn more about the Trinitas Regional Medical Center by visiting TrinitasRMC.org today. That's TrinitasRMC.org. Want to listen to AM 970 The Answer on the go? There's an app for that. Download our free smartphone app so you can listen to all your favorite shows, keep up with us on social media, enter contests, win prizes, and even interact with our hosts all in one place. Just search AM 970 The Answer in the iPhone App Store or the Google Play Store for the Android. Again, search AM 970 The Answer and download our smartphone app today. That way, you can take us wherever you go. Craving that signature Sunday sauce? Michaels of Brooklyn will make your place a must. Join Michaels of Brooklyn Sauce of the Month Club. Receive a different jar of Michaels of Brooklyn pasta sauce, homemade pasta and biscotti each month for six months. Make your home the place to be with Michaels of Brooklyn's signature fresh marinara right in your home. Visit michaelsofbrooklyn.com and order online. That's michaelsofbrooklyn.com. Michaels of Brooklyn, serving the community since 1964. Mike Lindell, the inventor of MyPillow, personally fit me for my very own MyPillow, and I haven't stopped raving about them since. They won't go flat. You can wash and dry them as many times as you want, and they maintain their shape. And every MyPillow is made in the USA. You can get a standard queen premium MyPillow for $29.98, regularly $69.98. That's a $40 savings. Kings are only $5 more. Now is the time to buy $29.98 for a standard queen premium. Go to MyPillow.com and click on the radio listener square. Use the promo code AM970. You'll find this amazing offer and deep discounts on all MyPillow products. The Giza Dream bed sheets, the MyPillow mattress topper, and MyPillow towel sets. Call 800-651-0798. That's 800-651-0798. 800-651-0798. Use the promo code AM970. Listen to us online at am970theanswer.com. Tune in, iHeart, Alexa, or odyssey.com. Your business is ready for a reboot, a recharge. The way our companies operate has changed. The changes haven't been easy, but there's help. The marketing team at Salem Surround gives you the tools needed to stand out and be visible to current and potential customers online right now looking for what you do. We can design a plan that targets potential customers with proven marketing strategies. Learn more at surroundnewyork.com. Surroundnewyork.com. Connecting you with new customers. Listen to us online at am970theanswer.com. Tune in, iHeart, Alexa, or odyssey.com. It's I on Real Estate. Got a question? Call 866-970-9622. Here's Douglas Elements CEO, Dottie Herman. Welcome back. We hope you took a quick coffee break. I'm here with Stephen Ebert, our attorney and my co-host, um, and we're going to talk about the current foreclosure situation. But I do want to say, as far as good news, again, the economy, the economic recovery is here, and it's like nothing we've ever seen. And because households have saved cash and banks are have capital, 
because you couldn't do anything. But what that has created is a shortage. It's hard. Like I, you know, I'm waiting two years. I, I can't even get my pool open because there's a backlog of so many people and then they don't have the supplies. Everything takes months. So, um, but businesses and workers are poised to emerge from the downturn with far less permanent damage than occurred in other recessions, particularly the 2007 you know, downturn. Uh, businesses, new businesses are popping up at the fastest pace on record. Um, you know, so we really, American household debt service burdens as a share of after-tax income is the lowest, at the lowest level since 1980. And the Dow Jones averages nearly up 18% from its pre-pandemic peak in February of 2020. And home prices nationwide are nearly 14% higher than a year ago this time. So the speed of this rebound is triggering a lot of turmoil. It's all good news, but the shortage of goods, raw materials, and labor that typically emerge toward the end of an expansion are cropping up much sooner. Uh, many economists, along with the Federal Reserve, expect the jump in inflation to be temporary, but others worry that it could be there. That could be permanent. So we don't know that yet. I don't think it will be permanent. I, I just think there's just such a supply mounted up and people haven't been able to spend money. So they say people are going to spend more money than they've ever spent because there was not much money. You couldn't do too much other than improve your house. So, but yeah, you know, Daddy, if, 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 if I can just add on the supply chain comment for a second that you made, because I think a critical one oh, um, for our listeners. Um, part of the issue is because of COVID, a lot of containers, container ships, and really longshoremen um, were were furloughed. And the problem that we're having right now is there is a massive shortage of containers and container ships being able to move supplies around. And it's going to take into next year for that to really sort itself up because it need, the companies need time to really bring things back on. You can't just flip a switch and get the people and the ships and the containers all up and running. So that's really the main, it's really logistics is having the biggest issue. Um, it's not even necessarily the manufacturing of the goods. It's just how do we ship them around? That, that's, that's the real cause for the delay. And, and for those of you on a personal level, if when you're ordering certain types of products from certain companies, you're probably seeing a delivery date and then they keep on bumping out the delivery date a few more weeks, a few more weeks. If you've experienced that, this is part of the issue. So I think it, I think that piece will sort itself out, but it's going to take, I think, at least six months, if not longer, to fully sort itself out. Yes. I, you know, I was talking to a, a, one of the people I buy furniture from, and she said that there are people who have homes with no furniture. They can't get it. They actually have, because everything is on backlog. Um, so it's, you know, there's a big demand. And the same thing with the housing. I mean, we would have a million more sales if we had more supply. Um, but what, you know, but what, you know, if you don't find your perfect house, but you can find something you can live with, maybe it's a good thing to just get in and then kind of wait till it dies down a little bit. And then buy the better house or buy a house that has potential that you could actually grow. Before I go on, because I, I think we're going to have Alfred and then we're going to probably talk about the foreclosures. I don't really want to, that's so important. Um, but I just wanted to 
Stephen, get back with you because people seem to be confused. And by the way, every state is different. So I'm talking about New York. I, I, I kind of went through all the states and they're totally different in every state. So you would have to really look up the state you're in. But landlords can now file evictions, but proceedings remain on hold. Can you explain that? Sure, absolutely. So it's a little confusing because they sort of struck this middle path. So what happens is if you're a landlord and you have a tenant who is not paying their rent, and let me first start with residential and then I'll explain commercial. Um, you, file, you, file, you start your case, you file the eviction, and then what happens is the tenant can get a stay. So I want to explain what a stay, a stay is like a pause. It doesn't mean that the tenant is right. It doesn't mean that they have a defense. It doesn't mean that they're going to win, but they are allowed to pause the proceeding if they fill out a hardship. Now, this is where it's very, very important that people really understand what they're signing because the tenant has to sign a document that says that they have endured a COVID-related hardship, a hardship declaration. And if they do that, then they can have a stay, a moratorium on a residential eviction to August 31st. Now, people should be very, very careful because a lot of times in the residential world, you know, the tenants may not get an outside attorney and they do it themselves. And if they say, sure, I'll sign a piece of paper. Yeah, COVID's been really tough. You know, it's a little bit more than that. And you want to be careful because you're giving a sworn document to a court. And if let's say you have a landlord who's really, really angry, I don't know how the courts are going to respond if the landlord says, hey, look, I know, yes, maybe COVID might be a little bit psychologically tough, but you've been working all the way through. You've been paid every time. And a judge may ask, hey, I have all these cases here. Is this a real hardship or not? Let me see your tax return. Let me see your pay stub. And if you're getting paid your full salary, you've now all of a sudden filed a document before a court that may not be true, which in itself could be um, subject to penalty. So be very, very careful on these COVID hardship um, declarations that you're making if you're a tenant who's trying to take advantage of the moratorium through August 31st. But if it does apply and you sign it, then your landlord can't do anything at least until August 31st. And then we'll see if that changes yet again. Okay, so would that be uh, what the governor Cuomo signed, the Tenant Safe Harbor Act, which allows tenants who can document financial distress due to COVID-19 as a defense in eviction proceedings? Exactly, exactly. And, th and this was updated on May 4th. So, and, so and I know it's tough for our listeners. I'm sorry? Some, so in other words, if I'm a landlord and you haven't paid me, I certainly can file an eviction proceeding. But then uh, if you can probably prove that you uh, have uh, some financial distress and that, you know, you don't have the money. Um, well, let me tell you what I did, Stephen, yesterday. I went on, I Googled and I said, I, um, um, I'm living in New York City. I haven't paid rent since the pandemic. And now that the time is coming soon that I'm going to have to pay it, I have no money and I can't pay it. What's going to happen to me? So the first question 
that they texted me was, well, did the tenant, did the landlord have any, are there any repairs? Uh, is there anything wrong with the apartment? So my thoughts are they're trying to find things. If there's things wrong with the apartment, then they can get away with maybe more time. Then after I said, well, Again, not can, really. I, can I, can I just throw one thing on that? Yeah, that is a, that's a, that's a, I'm just telling you, I did this. Online. Yeah, no, 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 no. It's, that is classic, that, that is sort of classic tenant residential eviction defense 101. The first thing you do is you try to change the issue, right? The first thing you try to do is to say, can I give any reason to not have paid the rent or pay less in rent? And one of the first things that a tenant attorney will do is say, did the landlord fail to provide the services they're supposed to do? Was there no heat? Was there no hot water to all of a sudden make it difficult? And that puts a burden on the landlord because how do you prove a negative? Go prove to me, Dottie, that you weren't in Alaska last week. Well, you could say I can show you a picture, but prove, you know, prove every second of the day where you are, right? It's, it becomes tough for a landlord. They get caught in the mud a little bit to say prove that the hot water was always on and working things like that. So it, it's, it can be an effective technique. Um, it can also blow back well, in the tenant's face sometimes not. too. Yeah. So I write, okay, I cannot pay the rent. And, they, and then I wrote, well, you know, there really isn't anything wrong with the apartment, a little thing here or there, but nothing to speak of. The next thing they did was they put an attorney on. You know, you know, and they asked me questions like, you know, some financial questions. And then, of course, I got off. I really was. So what they're doing is they say, do not worry if you can't afford it. And this is online. We will give you a free attorney to fight your case. Now, obviously, if you have a million dollars in the bank, maybe the guy's not going to take the case. But uh that's what they're doing. I, I, I did it online. It says anybody's entitled to a free attorney that the state will provide, you know. So, you know, I think it's, look, I think there are many people that are going to be really stuck and that we should try to help them. But at the same token, I really feel it's got to be fair for the landlords too. And now I've heard one girl called me for an apartment. She and she has a, a bunch of kids, so she needs like a four-bedroom apartment. It's not that easy to find in New York. She's like, I'm getting out of my apartment. Um, he doubled my rent. Now I said, Well, that's unheard of. I I wouldn't think so, but he did. So maybe he didn't like what he's looking to get rid of her. I don't know. But so what do, what do people have to know for now? How much time do they have? Um, obviously, so, last so week you said they should talk to their landlord first. But after that, uh, do they have to get out of June 20th? Because I'm reading that they're trying that, the, that, you know, he's trying to keep this going, you know. So, yeah, so, so it's, it's interesting um, because there was a lot of talk um, earlier in the year when when Cuomo was under fire to remove a lot of the emergency powers that he had, and they still have the governor still has certain emergency COVID powers. Um, again, right now you have the hardship extension to August 31st. You got to go back to really answer your question, Dottie. That you got to go back to 2019, before the pandemic. It used to be under New York law, when the lease ended, the lease ended. Now, I know that sounds very obvious, 
because that's what the deal is. But what happens is if you've been a tenant in a property and it depends one year, two years, three years or more, the landlord has to give notice. Um, and at the, at the most extreme, if you've been there over three years, notwithstanding the fact that the lease ends on a certain date, you have to give then 90 days notice as a landlord if you've had a tenant in there for over three years um, that the lease is going to end or you're not going to renew. Well, so that's good to that's know. A that's a but trap Steve, for some landlords who've been a landlord for a long time and didn't realize the law changed in 2019 on this. Oh, um, that's good information. I think you should remind people next week also. By the way, I just also read that um, Mayor the, the Blasio signed a bill to allow condo owners facing COVID-related hardship to pay zero interest on late property tax payments. Yeah, we're seeing we're seeing a few things like that. I, I think that one has been, you know, a little bit overdue. Some sort of working with real estate owners on the property taxes, because the the landlords and we've talked about this is there was a lack of reciprocity. If you're going to give something to the tenants, which made sense to do, you then got to give something to the landlords because ultimately, if the landlords aren't having revenue come in, how do they pay the bills? Um, and this actually is a great segue to just talk for a moment about commercial evictions and, and some of the tax lien sales that are going on. So number one, um, New York state law prohibits any municipality from conducting a tax lien sale foreclosure um, till at least after August 31st. What does that mean? If you don't pay your property taxes, residential or commercial, at a certain point, um, eventually the municipality can foreclose and there are tax lien sales. They can sell your property. They can foreclose like a mortgage lender. So that's an important point, you know, to paying the property taxes. There is, for the moment till August 34th, that there's a moratorium on that. Now, separately, there is also a partial moratorium on evictions on commercial properties until August 31st. If there is a commercial tenant who've endured a COVID hardship, if they're a small business with fewer than 50 employees and they show financial hardship, then also if there is a commercial tenant who've endured a COVID hardship, if they're a small business with fewer than 50 employees and they show financial hardship, then also that is, they have a moratorium to August 31st too. So okay. there's a little bit more. Well, um, we'll so finish they, up after the news, okay? And then we're going to have Alfred Renner talk about Manhattan, and we'll then go into foreclosures and short sales um, and how to go about that and what the differences are. You might learn something that makes you get a very good deal. So stay tuned. You're listening to Iron Real Estate. We'll be back right after the news. Ion Real Estate with Dottie Herman is sponsored by Citizens Bank N.A.